So this morning I want to talk a little bit about freedom. Seems an appropriate subject since we have our Independence Day holiday coming up very shortly. And if we look at freedom in this country, I think we have to agree that there is no other country on the face of God's green earth that enjoys the freedoms that we do. Are we, are we agreed there? Amen. Amen to that. When we look at our founding fathers, there's all this hubbub in the media today about whether or not they were truly men of God or not. I think there are a lot of naysayers, but if you look at the documents that they left behind, those that endure even today, like the Declaration of Independence, it's very clear that this country was founded on the Judeo-Christian principles that have endured since the beginning of recorded time. And if we look specifically to documents like the Declaration of Independence, we can see that the Christian principles that are found in our New Testament were very much in the hearts and the minds of those founding fathers who drew up the charter for this America that we enjoy today. And so I look back to the source material this morning behind that Declaration of Independence. I go to Romans chapter 6, if you're following along. I'm going to start at verse 12 and go through 23 where Paul writes, Therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as, though, as those who have been brought from death to life and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Should we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that, you, that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves to sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater iniquity, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what advantage did you then get from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life. 
For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's quite a passage talking about enslavement to sin the way we used to be, and now enslavement to Christ, which is true freedom. Every year around Independence Day, we turn our thoughts to freedom, don't we? This 4th of July celebration kicks into gear and we have barbecues and we have fireworks and we love freedom in America, don't we? It's quite a time of celebration. We celebrate our freedom and most of us appreciate the fact that our freedom was won at a high price. Melody just called to our attention that there are many who sacrifice not just with their lives and their blood but also with their time and energy and resources freedom was won at a high price and it's maintained and it's perpetuated with the blood and the sacrifice and the time and the resources of many many patriotic and selfless individuals who serve in one capacity or another continue to serve this country faithfully and we cannot minimize that I think we need to be very public and open about our praise and our thanksgiving for those people that being said I'm here to, this morning to remind us all that the patriotic celebration of freedom that we express every year is really just a byproduct of the God-given freedom that was won for us not 243 years ago with the birth of a nation, but rather more than 2,000 years ago with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gift that God gave us that birthed us into eternal freedom. And so Paul in Romans 6, which I just read, is telling us as believers in Christ that we must not continue to live as slaves to sin, but rather in the freedom of God. Too often, I think, we misunderstand how God intends for us to use the freedom that he's given us through Christ. And so we heard from Paul's writing to the church in Galatia from Galatians 5 this morning where he reminds us for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery for you were called to freedom brothers and sisters. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, Paul says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so we have to ask ourselves the question as we get ready to celebrate our independence, do we use our freedom for self-indulgence in this country these days? Does our self-indulgence sometimes come across as unloving on occasion? I think it does. Freedom comes with responsibility. 
the free will that God gave us comes with the ability to make choices. And the question is, do we make choices out of love of self or out of love of our neighbors? By and large, I think it's safe to say that those who make unloving choices have a warped sense of freedom. What do I mean by that? I think I've said this before, but I think it's worth repeating. Many people erroneously think that freedom is autonomy. Have you heard that word before? Autonomy, which is the ability to do whatever one chooses without fear of judgment from a higher authority. The truth is that nothing in God's creation has autonomy. We live by the limits that God places on us. Our freedom is limited by God's freedom, and only God has absolute freedom. Can we agree on that? And so society today, culture today, leans towards something other than God's freedom. It leans towards something called secular humanism which is human autonomy. And there are a lot of watchwords in human autonomy. We cry about things like liberty, equal rights, tolerance, diversity. Those are all lofty words, and there's nothing wrong with each of those words individually in the right context. But what we tend to do is if we don't like the restrictions that God's word places on us, but we simply ignore scripture in the name of all these lofty words, liberty, equal rights, tolerance, and diversity. Our watchword is always fairness when it should be righteousness. We have replaced real God-given liberty with the slavery of universalism. I know I'm throwing a lot of terms out here and I hope that I'm doing them justice in explaining them, but universalism is where anything and everything goes, where even evil is called good and acceptable. Have we seen this in the world today? We've mistaken tolerance for love when the lack of accountability that's inherent in tolerance is the most unloving thing we could possibly do for one another. Because we turn a blind eye to unrighteousness so we don't offend anybody. And in so doing, we end up clearing the pathway to hell because there's no accountability for the unrighteous. When we don't call sin what it is, when we allow people to stay in their sin, are we really loving them? Yeah, we're being tolerant. But in the day of judgment, how tolerant is a perfectly holy, just, and righteous God when that person stands before God with no repentance for a life lived in sin? So here is the truth about liberty. When we accept that our liberty is God-given and therefore under God's authority, when we submit to His authority as given to us in His Word, the Bible, when we cease our rebellious efforts to be autonomous and make our own rules, when we cease all of that nonsense, then and only then do we get to enjoy freedom. 
And so what Paul is saying here in Romans 6 is that you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with your old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time because remember you've been raised from the dead by Christ. You share in his resurrection. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live unless you give it permission. And the thing is, because of what Jesus did for you, you're no longer living under that old tyranny of sin. You're living in the freedom of God once you say yes to Jesus. So what is true freedom? Paul says, so since we're out from under the old tyranny, does that mean we can live any old way we want? Since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to our minds? Hardly. Because you know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that actually destroy freedom. And so Paul tells us, offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and that will be your last free act. That's a very profound statement that bears repeating. If you offer yourselves to sin, that will be your last free act. But offer yourselves to the ways of God, and the freedom never ends. All your lives you've let sin tell you what to do, but thank God you started to listen to a new master, one whose command set you free to live openly in his freedom. And Paul says, I'm using this freedom language because it's easy to picture you can readily recall, can't you, how at one time, the more you did just what you felt like doing, not caring about others, not caring about God, the worse your life became and the less freedom you had. And how much different is it now as you live in God's freedom, your lives are healed and expand into holiness. As long as you did what you felt like doing, Paul says, Ignoring God, you didn't have to bother with right thinking or right living or right anything for that matter. But do you call that a free life, he asks. What did you get out of it? Nothing that you're proud of now. Where did it get you? It got you a dead end, Paul says. But now that you found that you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do, and have discovered the delight of listening to God telling you, well, what a surprise we have gotten. A whole, healed, put together life right now with more and more of life on the way. Paul says, work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus our Master. There's a lot to say about freedom, doesn't it? When you celebrate and you celebrate your freedom 
this week. Remember, take time to acknowledge the source of that freedom. Remember to take time to thank God for the gift of His one and only Son who died on the cross for your eternal freedom. Because if you're going to be enslaved to anything, be a slave to Christ. Because that's where eternal life in the freedom of God rests. Your life, your freedom was purchased with the blood of your Savior. And He is victorious in this battle over the tyranny of sin. And in just a minute, Mel... Melody is going to lead us in a hymn. There are a couple of verses from that hymn I just want to call to your attention before we sing. You'll recognize it immediately where the author says, Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. We serve a loving God, yes. Let us never forget that we also serve a holy, righteous, just God who delivers perfect justice. And so for those who do not follow Christ. The result is a terrible swift sword from the Lord God Almighty. He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him, be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. And to that we can all sing glory, glory, hallelujah. Because his victory over sin and death is your victory. His resurrection is your resurrection. Glory, glory, hallelujah in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So we will sing.